Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, Military Cash Flow family? Today, we got a great uh, episode. This one's going to be a little conversational based. And what we really want to talk about is kind of on the personal side. So we're going to we're gonna go over um, some of the reasons why each of us stayed in the military or got out of the military, right? So you're working with two different perspectives. Um, Mike has a unique situation and I have a unique situation. I, we think this may resonate with a lot of our listeners um, as far as deciding whether to transition or not transition, right? Um, I think Mike was saying uh, before the before the recording to leave or not to leave. That is the question, right? So um, I think this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, we haven't really talked much about it, but I think everybody, everyone in the military, at some point and some time, is going to go through um, and ask themselves this question: Do I want to stay in, or do I want to get out? And what are those reasons? So this episode, we're going to kind of cover that, Mike. Yeah, this it's important, and we're gonna have two different perspectives, just like Dan said, because I was enlisted and I was also single for my military career, whereas Dan was an officer and he had a full family. So now we can see not only the officer side versus the enlisted side, but we also can see the single soldier versus the family soldier, and hopefully we're touching a lot of different bases, um, just kind of across across the spectrum here. Um, but I mean, let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. So. I'll first off, I'm gonna ask you, man, what was it like? What was your mindset at when you joined and kind of how did it grow and how did it transition to where you are now? And and what was that decision point for you to say, like, hey, I'm I'm gonna stay in for that full 20? Yeah, man. So when when I joined, um, I I'm so first off, I'm a Navy brat, right? And my dad did 20 years as enlisted, uh, enlisted sailor, right? Or enlisted seaman. I give him that joke all the time. Um, <laughs> my dad did 20 years, uh, enlisted. I grew up on, <laughs> I grew up on, uh, Navy bases my entire life. So, uh, the military, I've, I've just been around it. Right. And, and I understand, uh, the longevity the structure he's, he's shown me, um, some of the great things that the military does as far as if you choose to make it a career. Right. So I had that in my mind the entire time. Now, um, I coupled that with real estate after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he kind of did some of the same things. Right. Um, he talked about how he joined the Merchant Marines or he joined the Marines and flew helicopters and also started buying real estate and, and things like that. Right. So um, my story, I always planned on staying in the military for 20 years, even even when, you know, I was a cadet. Now that changed, um, I'd say like six or seven years into uh, me being in after really starting to discover real estate, like truly starting to discover real estate, because initially my plan was to do 20 years and every single duty station, I would PCS and just buy one single family home. That was my plan, right? And after buying that first single family home and seeing the cash flow, like $100 or $150, and then multiplying that by maybe I'd, I'd PCS 10 times, um, it, it really wasn't that much money, like $1,500. I 
I'm not, I'm not scoffing at $1,500 or, or, or $2,000 or anything like that. But um, in the grand scheme of things of, Hey, I want to get out of the military and not, and then not have to go and work another nine to five jobs. The $2,000 wasn't really going to do it. You know, wasn't really going to do it for me. Right. So um, when I started buying multifamily um, and then we started the podcast and we started to talk to more and more people, other service members that were doing incredible things um, and seeing their stories and seeing how they were able to scale so fast and, and grow cash flow. That's the, that's kind of where I switched to. And that's um, kind of what I shifted my mindset to. And at, at a certain point in my military career, like around year seven, year eight, I was for sure I was getting out. And me and Mike had several conversations about this, um, you know, and, and he, he, you actually helped, you know, uh, helped me transition or, or, or you gave me a lot of things to think about. I'll, I'll put it that way. Right. So um, that, I mean, that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. That's, that's why I joined. I always planned on staying in 20, uh, 20 years. I always, I planned on incorporating real estate, but I planned on buying, you know, one single family at a time that switched. And then um, around, honestly, I'd say about a year, year and a half ago, I think about a year, year and a half ago, um, I made the actual decision, Hey, we're, I'm just going to stay in, I'm going to stay in and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but First, let's go over your side, your your first start, Mike. How did how did it look for you? Um, and what were some of your decisions for deciding to get out? Yeah, for sure. But one good question, man. You said your your dad uh did his 20. What uh was he the only member in your family that was military, or was like some of your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents? Yeah, so I've, so I've had I've had uncles, um, I've had other family members that were in the military, but they did just one enlistment. Like my grandfather did one enlistment in gotcha. the, the uh, Air Force. My um, I, I have several uncles that did, you know, um, one enlistment in the Navy or the Air Force or uh, oddly right. enough, I'm the only one in the Army for some reason. But um, but yeah, every, every I, have, I have a military background, but my dad is the only one that's retired. And it's funny that you say that because some of like his brothers that joined the military, like my, I remember, I distinctly remember when my dad retired, he retired at like, I think 38 or 40 or something like that. Um, and, you know, he's making, he's making some money on disability. So you, you guys can look at the military pay scale and know exactly how much a retired, you know, E7, E8 right. makes, right? So he was making about $2,500 or so as a, as a retired E7 in the Navy, and then um, he he made some disability. I don't I don't know I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm sure it's like you know another twenty five hundred or three thousand. So he's you know he's he did not have to work, but he you know five thousand dollars a month was not super comfortable <laughs> to 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 live off. It's not gonna you know be really what you really really want, right? So he did he did go get another job. But I distinctly remember uh, my uncles, uh, him and my uncle having the conversation. My uncle did one enlistment in the Navy. Um, and he's like, man, my dad's name is Dave. He's like, man, Dave, I should have, I, I wish I would have, you know, did 20 years too. I wish I would have went ahead and stayed in. And now, you know, now I see you, you're retired. You, you're taking advantage of all the, all the opportunities and things that come along with that. And he's like, man, I wish I would have did it too. Cause you know, that, that's just what, that's just what was on his mind. Right. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. This was me at like, you know, I don't know, 16 or no, no, I had to be like, I don't know. I had to be like, uh, I, I was younger. I was like 
I don't know, between 18 and 20 something, like somewhere around there. But, um, but yeah, I distinctly remember that conversation. Um, so I guess that kind of little stuck with me a little bit and then I kind of went from there. So. Carried over it. Cause for me, I was like, nobody in my family that I was aware of was in the military. Cause I actually grew up, I was right outside of Fort Hood in Colleen, Texas. And I would see the dudes walking around in uniform, but I, I didn't know what it meant. You know what I mean? Cause there was nobody in my family that could tell me, well, um, you know, fast forward, uh, I'm in college now. And my dad tells me that his father served for a small tour um, uh, at one point in time. And my aunt had served in the Navy for another point in time, but it still didn't really mean nothing to me. And then all of a sudden um, I needed money for college. Right. So it's like, I wasn't cutting it. I was trying to work a couple jobs. I was like, bro, this thing is just started to dig a hole in my pocket. What are my options? And I just happened to walk across a recruiter, a, a national guard recruiter. And he was like, yeah, man, get your college paid for it. Here's $20,000 for the bonus. So I was like, enough said, let's do it. Um, once I got in it, though, I actually excelled very quickly at it. Like, uh, I was an 88 Mike in the National Guard. And the first little summer break I got, I was performing so well in my unit um, that I was able to go to airborne and air assault school. So as an 88 Mike with six months in, I already had was had double badges. I was scoring like well over 300. I was like, yo, I'm kind of good at this. And that's just like anything else. When you're good at something, you start to feel like, damn, maybe I can make something out of it. So ended up graduating college. I went to, to SF and all that other good stuff. And I mean, I was having a blast. In my mind, after that first year in the guard, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a career of this. 25 years, 30 years. Like I'm going all the way. Uh, and then just many different things changed. You know, first I thought I was going to be an officer. Then I stayed enlisted, this and that. And then, uh, you know, I mentioned it several times on other podcasts, but I just started to realize that the hype of, uh, or the lure, allure of like being a combat veteran and doing all these things, uh, Hollywood played a lot in, in the mental expectations of it. And it just, it really, it has a lot of impact on your life. And so when it finally hit me, I was like, damn, you know, yeah, I can continue to do 20 and, and God bless everybody else that does 20, especially when they're being torn away from their families, going through multiple divorces and they still choose to go out and do their thing. But um, it, it took a large toll on me and I just had to make that decision. I was like, I can't do, I can't do 20 more years of this without figuring out what's wrong with me first and getting this thing kind of situated. So I kind of stepped out. And then to your point about the real estate, man, because I knew I had to make that step out, I was trying to find everything possible and again i tried to find what i was good at so i did all that hamway stuff i did all the uh, part-time gigs and doing all that and i just wasn't good at it man and then i found out i was house hacking at the time and then you know me in my mind i was like i'm already house hacking that means i'm a real estate investor what else can i do right so i started looking around i tried wholesale and even though i dabbled in almost everything you can think of in real estate I started to find out what I was really good at is making creative deals happen and then selling, you know, as a broker. So I was able to get that set up. And by the time I, what I realized was to, to your point, your dad worked over 20 years. He retired with 2,500, something like that. And then maybe got disability for another 2,500. In my mind, as enlisted, you know, even in SF, we get a whole bunch of bonus pays, a whole bunch of, you know, and I'm grateful for that. But when you retire, none of that matters. It's only on your base. So I'm like, all right, cool. If I do 20 years, retire E8, E7, I'm making 2,700 bucks for the rest of my life. 
But I turned around and I replaced my income. I, I increased what I was making with my W-2 just in real estate sales and flips and all those. And I was like, bro, it's a no brainer. Why would I even stay? And so I made that transition out. Long, uh, uh, not, not long, but on the flip side now, hindsight being 2020, I'm actually interested in getting back in, but only in the guard. Uh, because I do, I do miss it. And I'm in a much better place mentally after going through uh, therapy and things like that. I feel like I can, I can, um, I don't need to compartmentalize anymore. You know what I'm saying? I can act, actually have a separate thing with family and work and enjoy being around the right people again. But uh, that's pretty much how, how it kind of journeyed uh, to where I'm at now, man. And, and so with that being said, the next question I have for you is, how do you see your future developing now? Now that you know you're staying in 20 years, how do you see that future playing out? Any sort of special assignments uh, with the military, any special career changes? And on top of that, now that you know real estate's a big piece of it, how do you plan to incorporate real estate into that into that future as well? Yeah, so like I, I know we keep going back. But I had a question for you yeah, as well yeah, yeah. while you were going through that because yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you something very similar because at, at first it seemed like. Um, you know, you, you realized, um, fairly early on that, Hey, you know, if I retire that I'm only going to make this amount. So you did have like a money yeah. component to it. Right. But it seemed like other things were weighing, there were more, there were more, I guess, larger things that were, that were weighing on your decision to, to get out versus just the money, because you saw that you could replace, um, you saw that you, you had the potential to replace it through, through real estate and, uh, and doing things like that. Yeah. So, so to be honest, so I, I, I'm a realist, right? Cut it any way you want to slice it. I'm a realist. So even before I ever joined the military, I literally told myself and I told, you know, my family members, I was like, look, I'm having fun. This is a great way for me to have fun and I can decide what I want to do later. All right. That was a decision I made from the beginning, but in the back of my mind, I was like, no, I'm going to do 20 years. Cause it just makes sense. Like you retire in 20 years, you get a check for life. It wasn't until I realized how much that check was. I was like, nah, hell no, right? But but um, everything I did was because I was enjoying the military. So even when I went SF, I mean, you can talk to all the like job recruiters, transition specialists and everything. They say, if you're going to be in SF, choose a job, a, a, a role or a function or MOS that has the ability to transfer out for a lot of money, like a communications guy with the top secret clearance, a medical professional, so on and so on. I chose the one with the least amount of, I was an 18 Bravo, which basically says, if you put that in the transition system, it says you can be a security guard. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? So, uh, but I'd said, I, I want to have fun. I want to learn more about guns. I want to go to some of these um, unique schools around guns and things like that. So everything I was doing was for that decision point of, of, of enjoying my life. It was it was at the point where I stopped enjoying my life that I really had to take a step back and be like, okay, the the fun is now gone. It was never about the paycheck, but the paycheck's not that much, right? Comparative. So what now? Like if I'm going to continue to push through this to where I hate it and I hate myself for putting myself through it, because you know the military is 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 contract by contract it ain't like hey man i'm getting my two weeks you know what i mean so it's like you get stuck in it and then you do another four years or whatever and then before you know it it's like i might as well do another four and, uh, and uh, a lot i didn't prepare for the transition and so much can change in four years and i mean that, that sounds like that's exactly yes. what happened to you i mean like so much you can be having the greatest times year years one and two and then shit yeah. man, now year two and three it's like our year three and four it's like man this is 
man, I can't even do nothing. <laughs> like I, I'm stuck, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, even think about like for like so say say you're having a great time in the military, but now there's a death in the family, a significant death right back home, and now it's like, oh, you're the breadwinner. You really want to be around your family. Now it's difficult to break that contract, right? And there's some programs involved, but I mean, still, it's not as easy as like, hey man, I got to go in two weeks. I got to find a job down there. Um, so it, yeah, man, it, it was a challenge. Yes, and you mentioned before in another conversation that some of the, um, I guess you know, you're kind of capped at your potential for, for like your potential. You, you can't raise. You could, you could do the job of an E7, right. But you have to do your time as an E, you know, you have to do, have a certain amount of time in service as an E6 before you, you know, yeah. jump to E7. Right. And your pay is tied to that rank as well. So yeah. I thought that was interesting when you said it before as well, like, Hey, you know, uh, I can only grow so much in this, where I'm at right now and I can only grow so much and so fast right I think I think that's a, a problem set that everybody faces officers and enlisted because it's such a competitive environment and it's meant that way to breed excellent leaders right servant leaders ideally but um I mean think about it if you only have one promotion slot for whatever lieutenant colonel or for EA that means all these sevens that want that E8 and, you know, all the uh, uh, majors who want that lieutenant colonel, they're going to fight tooth and nail to get the best OER, to get the best this, the best that. And so now with, it's great. It's great for the, for the environment and for the culture. But what happens now is you have tons of people, you know, working way above their pay grade to try to get this new stats, this new promotion or whatever. Take that to the civilian world. If you're one of those working out, you know, even if you don't get promoted, you might get a raise, right? You might get assigned to a new position where you're just like, oh, you're doing more of it. Let's get you over here. Now it's a raise and a title. There's more avenues to go. Yeah, or you can leverage. A lot of the military is, yeah, yeah. Military yeah. is much more lateral moves before you can hit the rank improvement. But there's only a pay increase when you get the rank improvements. It's like, ah, yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating for sure. Yeah, so um, I guess the the plan moving forward, you you asked a question earlier. The plan moving yeah, forward yeah. And, and how I plan to tie uh, tie real estate into it. So I, I kind of mentioned before, um, I didn't um, I, I went through the the sing, like only single family space at once, saying I was going to buy one, you know, one every single duty station, and realized that wasn't you know that really wasn't going to get me where I wanted to be at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I wanted to be able to retire and then have the ability to choose who I want to be with, when I want to be with, and what I want to do at any given time, right? So that was the in-state goal always, right? Um, and the single family space, like at least doing it once, buying an actual primary residence, every single duty station, that wasn't going to do it for me like I originally thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. um, so after, after uh, making the decision to stay in, I still had to figure out, all right, well, I mean, my wife and I are both dual military. We make a pretty decent income. We were able to save, you know, well over 40%, um, like a well over 40% savings rate. So, all right, so how are we going to still incorporate real estate and how are we still going to get to our in-state goal um, with, with everything said, with, you know, with, with that all said. Um, and how we plan to do it is basically, you know, continue our savings rate and then buy a multifamily once every one or two years um and you know by the time we get out with our retirement plus any disability plus the real estate 
you know, that, that, uh, that, that we have at that time, the cash flow and the real estate, that's going to give us that option um, to be with who we want, when we want, how we want to do it and all that stuff without really having to worry about uh, any kind of income. Um, so that's, that's the gist of um, how we're planning to move forward. And th this is like our actual plan, what we're doing is we're putting all, all of our money into a brokerage account and then we take a margin and I'm, I'm airing this now and I'm, I'm, in, I'm under contract with a duplex. I didn't, I don't think, even think we talked about this yet, Mike, but um, I got a duplex under contract right now and I should be closing in the next, in the next like two to three weeks. And how we're doing it now is we're putting all of our money into the brokerage account and then our brokerage account allows us to take margin. We're taking that, the money, we're taking the margin loan or it's not a margin loan. We're just taking um, money out on margin. So like 3% or something like that. And then we're taking that to use that towards the down payment of a multifamily home. Um, and then, you know, don't really got to worry about paying the brokerage back. That money in the brokerage account, the larger amount continues to grow. Um, the margin is just sitting there and it's taking a little bit of money. As I think we talked about before, like velocity of money a little bit. I'll do another video, like mm -hmm. really going in detail and I show my brokerage account and all that other stuff like that. Um, so, so stay tuned for that one, but that's essentially what we're going to do. And we plan on buying, um, um, one multi from here on out, moving forward to buy one multifamily a year. And then, uh, that'll give us or at least one duplex a year. Um, if not, then a quadplex every other couple of years or whatever. But at the end of the day, that'll give us 20 units that we own um, by the time we get out. And uh, that coupled with the brokerage, coupled with everything else, we we should, based off our calculations, you know, who knows what, it, like, we might have a COVID 2.0 or something yeah. like that. But based off our calculations, <laughs> that's what's that's what's uh, going to get us where we want to be, essentially. Um, as far as uh, special assignments and things and, and um at this, while we're doing this now, we're moving very, very slow comparatively to a lot of the people that we bring on because we bring in some bangers, dude, like that are buying larger apartment complexes, a bunch of single family homes, and just crushing it every single year. They're buying like six, seven, even you, Mike, like hotel syndications, just like crushing it, right? We're moving a lot slower, but we, because we're both deciding to stay in the military, my wife was going to stay in regardless, right? Because we're both deciding to stay in the military, we, we have to take it a lot slower. I, I guess we don't have to, but we're choosing to take it a lot slower and take a right, lot less right. risk, a lot less risk because, you know, we got our kids to think about. Um, the cool thing about being, uh, staying in the military is I can give my my benefits to my kids, healthcare, you know, healthcare for life. And then, you know, their, their colleges is paid for literally because we can pass along the GI bill. I do get to take advantage of some cool things. Like I'm in grad school right now and I'll be in grad school for the next couple of years and it's a fully funded program and you continue to get paid. So, so a lot of those factors are the reasons why I continue to stay in. Um, but I did have to switch my mindset because like I said, for the last, and you know, I'd say all of 20, all of 2019 and all of 2020 for the most part i was 100 sure i was getting out um regardless if my wife stayed in or not um j just because you know um i, I was 100 sure i was going to get out my wife was saying she was gonna she was likely going to do one and get out as well but um now with her 100 staying in and um how everything has has moved it just makes more sense for us uh to stay in i had to switch my mindset to Hey, I'm not getting out anymore. I'm actually staying in. So, um, so yeah, and we just had to make a, a plan and make a deliberate plan, and and that's what we're, what we're gonna do. 
What about you, Mike? I like the idea that you 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 guys are taking it slow because so many investors, especially uh, people just getting started, they always feel like, oh, uh, such and such as 40 rentals, such and such as 85. I got to catch up. And it's not about that at all. Like if you want the clout and you want the big whatever, yeah, go for it. That's fine. Like I'm not saying don't, but you specifically, you know, know that collectively your guys' goal is just the passive income. So when you do retire, you're set, kids are set, we can actually start looking at something else, right? And I, that's a beautiful thing. And to think about it too, from the military's perspective, when you have dual military, um, you're both going to receive uh, a pension or retirement, right? Potentially, you both might receive disability too, right? We don't know. So, I mean, but those things, um, those things will add up. And then so collectively, you guys have a nice, safe, uh, secure financial situation. I love, man, I love this whole like margin thing. So uh, just to kind of clarify, you're saying that whatever your portfolio balance is in your brokerage account, that balance is basically being used as collateral. So like if you, you took a loan out against it, if for whatever reason you don't pay back the loan, the bank has the ability to take the brokerage money from you, right? Yeah. So, so I can give you a, like a almost verbatim situation. So we started saving, um, I'd say like sometime, you know, at the end of last year and we, we didn't say, we just started saying, Hey, we're going to put all of our money into the brokerage account from now on. You know, we have a large savings rate. We're just going to put it all in, in the brokerage account. And let's say I have a hundred thousand dollars in my brokerage account right now. Right. Um, I can take up to 40% on margin, or I basically I can take a loan for $40,000. Um, that loan is going to be at like, two percent three percent it all depends on your your actual brokerage account right the larger brokerage accounts they do like eight nine percent you probably don't want to mess with them there's other brokerage accounts like uh interactive broker or m1 finance that has uh very very low 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 margin rates like four percent three percent even though you know uh, interest rates right now are skyrocketing right they're still extremely low um below inflation interest rates right so you take out the $40,000. Most people take that $40,000 out and buy more stock with it. Well, I take the $40,000 out and I'm going to buy real estate with it. That's going to increase. That's going to buy, you know, um, grow more cash flow. So buy the piece of real estate with the $40,000. That $40,000 gives me essentially a $200,000 home. Um, uh, if you're talking about 20% down, right? Or, I'm sorry, not a $200,000 home. A, a yes, a $200,000 home if you're assuming 20% down, right? So I can take that $40,000. Uh, that's that's from my margin. Take that uh, forty thousand dollars, and I can buy a two hundred thousand dollar asset that's going to cash flow, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars a month, right? And I can pay my margin loan back. That margin, that margin uh, interest only loan is only like a hundred and something dollars. Again, I'm going to do a whole, I'll do a whole like series on this. Yeah, so you yeah. guys can kind of see it, but that's the gist. You take a hundred thousand dollars, you can take forty thousand dollars out, buy an asset, a cash flowing uh, asset, and then uh, that $100,000 is in your brokerage that never leaves. It continues to compound, continues to grow at like eight or 9%, but your margin's only 4% or 3% or whatever it is, right? Um, and then on top of that, you got a cash flowing asset that's paying you even more money and, and increasing in, in, you know, appreciating in value, right? So it's just um, a quadruple play um, in, in my opinion, right? So uh, that's, it's, it's an awesome strategy, I think. And if, the yeah. worst, the worst thing that can happen is, um, 
the stock market would have to fall by by 50% in order for me to get what's called margin called, right? So I I took a loan out for $40,000. Once my account, if, let's say the stock market dropped 50% and now I had um, my new balance was $50,000, but I still owed $40,000. Well, now the bank is going to do what's called a margin call and they're going to ask for me to put more money into my account, right? I don't really have to worry about that because every single month I'm putting a set amount of money in there anyway. So theoretically, if you look at the the numbers, I would never have to do, I should never get margin called unless the stock market drops like 80 or 90%. Something ridiculous would have to happen uh, worse than COVID, worse than what happened in COVID, which historically the stock market has not dripped, uh, dropped more than 60%, even in 08 you know, 09 time period. So something ridiculous would have to happen in order for, uh, in order for me to truly get margin called in the way that I'm doing things. So. Yeah, that's the, that's the tried and true uh, infinite banking system. So a lot of your, for the audience, you guys might hear infinite banking through whole life insurance policies. That's the way that I do it. Uh, but Doing something like that, what Dan's talking about, is just as credible and happens all the time. One of the one of the uh, biggest cautions and red flags out there, if you really watch the the truly wealthy um, uh, financial, uh, I don't know what I'm, I don't want to necessarily call them financial advisor, but I'm talking about the Warren Buffett's, the you know the people that own these large firms. They say do not buy more stocks on margin. All right, just be. Hey, listen to whoever you want to, but I'm talking about the billionaires said, do not buy stock on margin. Some of these other couple hundred millionaires might say it because that's their game. But but think about that. Dan said, if that shit drops, now he has to put more money in. Well, imagine this, $100,000, you take out $40,000, you put $40,000 into a stock, that that stock plummets. Now what you going to do? You're going to be fucked, right? You're going to, excuse my language. I forget where I'm. <laughs> no, we don't need to. We're good. Thanks. But anyway, yeah. So so keep that in mind, man. Um, what about you? So What's for your... me. Yeah. 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 For me, I guess my plan moving forward, man, is uh, I got to, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, man. I, I'm at that phase right now in my life where it's like, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know what I mean? Um. I have been blessed to receive uh, or to, to achieve a certain level of financial freedom to where now it's like, I don't need to go out and make large sums of money. Um, I have revenue streams that are bringing in up and I've lived a very like modest lifestyle. I still have a, a an old Dodge Dart. You know what I mean? I'm not going out and buying fancy things. Um, but there's always that desire for a little bit more, for a little bit higher quality of life and or for the ability to even like give back to the family and stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not that level yet as far as like a passive income. So now that I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, well, for real estate specifically, I'm going to continue. I'm stabilizing my portfolio as it is, meaning I'm, I'm probably going to sell off the non-performers. I'm working on really trying to increase the rents and decrease the expenses on other properties, um, doing some, some 1031 exchanges. And I'm just trying to really optimize what I have. I don't need to buy any more in the moment. But once that happens, then every two, three years, I just want to buy another 10 to 30 unit complex two, three years, 10 to 30 year complex and just kind of acquire those slowly. But as far as like what I'm doing in the future, I've, I just mentioned in this video, I am looking to rejoin back into the military, into the National Guard, the SF National Guard. Um, 
I have some other schools and experiences that I want to explore. So hopefully I'll get the opportunity that, I don't know, I am 100% disabled. So there's this entire medical waiver process that I have to even get through before they'll be like, all right, okay, we'll, we'll think about getting you later. All right, so it's a, it's a whole thing. And um, I know I told you this, man, but for the audience out there, I'm pursuing taking speaking a little bit more serious. So uh, my my goal is to really kind of refine my speaking ability and then start going out to different stages. Uh, my audience will be real estate investors, small business owners or entrepreneurs, and then the military, right? And um, try to get on many platforms as I can and try to help add value to, to people's lives. But I really enjoy engaging with an audience when I can. The, the struggle now is how do I monetize it? You know, and I'll, I'll figure that out. And the only reason I need to monetize is because, I mean, hell, if I'm traveling and paying for flights and paying for hotels, I at least need to cover that, you know, at a minimum, right? So um, um, so I'm working on that. But but yeah, so, man, it's pretty, it's kind of all in the air, yeah. So uh, I know you you talked about the plan of getting back in the middle. Well, first off, if you haven't sp if you haven't heard uh, like Mike speak, so just for you guys to know, I mean, you, you can kind of, you know, hear, and Mike's a pretty articulate person. He speaks well, inflection of voice. If you guys like listen to that presentation stuff, Mike's very, very good at that. Now, this is all off the cuff right here. For those of you who don't know, you know what I mean? This is all off the cuff. We're not, we didn't like rehearse none of this, you know? Um, and, and if you guys go see Mike speak, like he he spoke at the um, the Pints and Properties event in Fayetteville. I've heard him speak a couple of other times on, on other uh, platforms, but Mike's very, very good. Uh, at speaking so i'm throwing a plug for my buddy mike here if you guys know of any speaking <laughs> appreciate it man. and you guys need uh someone that has a well over what 100 units right now and then nba chapel hill like hey the dude's a monster man sf i mean uh, dude's a monster so if you guys listen to this and you're like man I, I really need somebody to speak at this function hey you know link up with us link up with mike he's he's uh, i'm sure he'd be down to uh to help right so but that's side plug right that was a side plug but um, yeah. <laughs> my my actual question was how um, I know you said, you know, going back into the guard, join the guard again. Um, if you do that, one, how are you um, are you going back like SF? And then two, how are you going to incorporate how are you going to still incorporate, I guess, real estate into the mix? I mean, I, I, maybe you kind of answered that because you said you're just going to go a lot slower now. But uh, what is that going to look like for you? Yeah, so to go back guard, I only want to really go back guard if I can go SF. Um, I thought about going back to the guards like OCS program and going officer route, but it's a there's two different ways. You can do the accelerated way, which is I can't remember how many months back to back, or you could do the 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 long term or traditional way in the guard, which will take you two years to get through the OCS program. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want to. I'd be okay with accelerated. I just don't think I'm ready to do that now. Um, and the longer way, I don't think I want to commit to that right now in the moment. So if I go back, I'd like to go SF because I can just jump in. It's plug and play. Um, now the way I'm hoping it works is I'll still keep my disability and I'm only drilling for points, which means I'm drilling towards retirement. Um, so, you know, after my, whatever, 10 more years or whatever it is, I got to figure out the guard number plus my active. Um, then I'll be able to retire and I'll be able to receive a pension just as if I did the full 20 years active duty. Um, but I don't really know how that looks right now. I don't really know how it looks, but, but for me, it's, I really just miss, I do miss experience. I wake up sometimes like, like just this morning, no lie, no lie. I was eating, um, 
was eating breakfast, drinking some coffee, and the sun just barely crept through the clouds. And when it hit me, I felt like the little the little chill. And then, you know, when your heart warms up, just like when you're out in the field, and it's like you're you're pulling duty all night, and then all of a sudden, Bob, and it just Bob hits you comes like, up. Ah. Yeah, and then Bob comes out. It just feels good because you've been cold all night. I felt it again, and instantly my mind went there. You know what I mean? Like it could have been, been me going on a ski trip, whatever. Now it went back to the damn military. So I do have some nostalgia uh, pieces that I really do miss. So that's what that looked like. Now, as far as incorporating the real estate into it, just like I said, being in the guard is the best part because um, it's not a full-time commitment, right? Uh, being an SF guard even offers a slightly more amount of flexibility, which means I can go for, you know, I can do all my year drills in maybe a month or a month and a half span instead of having to go every month. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I'll just continue to do the real estate um, interactively as I go, right? I'm educating in real estate. I'm practicing real estate with consulting and advising. I'll hopefully be educating through speaking and then I'll be buying uh, just as, as I see fit, kind of affordable. So how I got a question for you. How much, um, how much does like your future in wanting, uh, like wanting a family, like how did, how much does that play into your decisions um, now, right? Because I know yes. you, I know you're 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 older now, and you know you got some other things going on and things. So like, how does that play into your thought process now? Because I know there's a, I know that there's listeners out there that are like literally in a very similar situation. They're like, man, I don't know. Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, guys. So. You know me, I was single, ready to mingle for a long time, but I'm now in a committed relationship and now we're talking about marriage, talking about having kids, all these other things. And so it really kind of put me back in the perspective, like what are some of what I feel are my responsibilities as the man? One of that is being able to protect and provide. And one of those provisions, if you will, is uh, healthcare, right? So I've explored healthcare for a long time, but me being a VA and disabled, I get uh, I get healthcare through the VA. It's not the best, but it's there. So now I'm thinking about, okay, what happens now if I have kids? What happens now with all this other stuff? So I thought about even going back and get a W-2 job. It doesn't really sit well with me though, because I'm just in the mindset of an entrepreneur, but I'm willing to sacrifice if need be to get health insurance. But another reason, and I'm glad you brought this up because I, I completely forgot the whole reason I started looking back in the guard initially was solely because of healthcare. So I can get health care for myself, my wife, and I think I think up to four kids for somewhere around $270 a month, $270 a month, which is extremely cheap. So I was like, man, yeah, I will absolutely go to the guard. Now I'll suck it up because that's much more important, you know? And then at that point in time, I wasn't even thinking SF. I was like, just put me in at something. Like, just throw me in there. Um, but then I started looking into the other stuff. So that's a really good point, man. It, it has changed my mind as far as like what other... And then with why I don't want a W-2 per se is because of that will take away a little bit of time that I have with the family. I'd much rather stay in that entrepreneurial role going around and speaking because I get to choose what engagements I take and which ones I don't so I can be there to spend a little bit more time with the family. So that, that has the big part of my decision making. Yeah, that's that's always the interesting piece, man. When I talk to people and they're like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, going to get out or, or stay in, that's usually when we have these deeper conversations, usually it's always the money and then healthcare, right? Like it's, it's always those yeah. two, like, all right, how, how am I going to navigate those two with the family? And then also trying to, you know, 
you got you basically got the money and the healthcare on one end, and then there's also the time commitment. Like, all right, well, yeah. I want to be able to enjoy everything. I don't want to be freaking stuck behind my desk or like a slave to my phone twenty four seven. How do I navigate that? And it, man, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do, man. Like to, to navigate between, uh, both of those. Cause you feel like, you know, you need your family or you need as the man of the house, right. Or female, whoever, wh- whatever role you play in your, in your family, as that person in the house, you know, you need to commit time to those, to your family in order to, you know, strengthen and, and influence those relationships. Right. Especially when it's, you know, especially when kids are involved, right? You want to have as much influence as possible, right? And and a lot of times you need time to do some of that, right? So it's a really interesting concept. Yeah, I want for I grew up in a household, one mother, she had two kids. And as I mentioned, she was making somewhere in the 20,000. So she didn't have, and she was working her ass off. She didn't have time or money. So for anyone who's listening, where you may be in that position, you're head of household, but your time and your money is stretched. Now think about, yeah, you may not be able to spend a lot of time in the next 10, 15 years with your children or with your loved ones. But if you started taking action today and you started applying just some of these concepts a little bit by a little bit, and even if it does take 10 or 15 years, you can now spend more time with your family at that point in time, or more importantly, be able to change that cycle so your children and loved ones may be able to spend more time with theirs, right? So keep that in mind. Like this, this whole channel, this whole platform, although it's targeted at the military, it's about changing your your mindset on life, changing the, to a lifestyle that you truly deserve and that you desire, right? So just keep that all that in mind. True. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, like I said, stay yeah. tuned for a, a few other, a uh, few of the other videos. We'll go dive a little bit more into like the inf- infinite banking concept, not just with whole life or with insurance, but also other ways to use the infinite banking concept because it's not just whole life. And a lot of times it's kind of tied to that. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll do some more in-depth videos on that and uh, kind of show you some of the numbers and what we're looking like and things like that, at, l- at least I'll kind of go over what my plan is and uh, for the next 10 years. And uh, I'm sure Michael, Mike can do something very similar as well. Um, sure. Any, any uh, parting words, Mike? No, man, go out there and keep doing great things, folks. Always appreciate you joining us and, and hearing us chit chat for a little bit. All right. Hopefully uh, this, this episode resonated with you guys a little bit and kind of gave you some insight into why we're doing the things that we're doing. And then also maybe helps shape your, um shape some ideas for what you can do or help you you know guide you along that decision as well so with that said this is dan win and mike lasky signing off